Welcome to Q Ideas with Gabe Lyons. Q is about conversation. If we're really concerned about ending poverty, we've got to be more concerned about creating justice. Our cultural products as Christians need to both defy and resonate with the culture. But God's doing amazing things. His church is expanding, His church is growing. It's not what's the purpose of my life, it's what is the purpose that's been assigned. Stay curious, think well, advance good. This is Q. At some point, all food is farm to table. But how does it get there? There's the grower and all of the world that they live in, the farmer, the inputs, the outputs, the machinery, the land use, the land tenure. And then there's the processors, the storage, the more processing and the more storage. Then there's the buyers, the sellers. And then there is the soil. And I wish I could just, oh, it is the most amazingly designed thing that God ever created when it's working in the system and it shows God's creation everywhere. Then there's a the transportation at the next level from the farm to all those places, road, river, rail, sea. Then there's the role of government. And then there's the government leaders. And every one of those is a key component to how we get food on the table or if it doesn't. And if something in that system goes wrong, we will do everything possible and things that we never thought imagined to get it because food is freedom. Welcome to Q Ideas with Gabe Lyons on Faith Radio. I'm Paul Pro with Gabe. Thank you for joining us for this last weekend of June as we get ready for the 4th of July holiday. And the summer is on the move. I hope we can be a partner with you this summer as you take time to digest really important conversations and learning. We're in a season right now where we're getting hit with a lot of information. There's a lot of chaos. And our job and what we exist to do and have done over the last 15 years is to try to help educate you, try to help guide you towards truth, guide you towards good thinking that's not wrapped up in just the moment, but that's long term, that understands the consequences, that looks not just over the next few months, but looks over the next few years and few decades and helps us think well as Christians about how do we lead our communities, our churches, our families to flourish the most. And you know, as we think about helping our communities to flourish, we can easily get into conversations about things like infrastructure, freedom of conscience, justice issues. Do you think about food in that same way? Okay, most of us, as I bring up the topic of food, we just think about what's in our full pantries and fridges. Or maybe with the 4th of July holiday on the way, we're thinking about what we're going to grill. But if we've learned anything from this past year, when thanks to the pandemic, there were shortages of some foods, or even more recently with some meat processing companies dealing with issues such as hacks in their computers that led to slowdowns in processing and production, we learned that our food supply isn't as secure as we thought. Hmm, food security. Gabe, it's not just a third world issue. And it's such an important concept that I'm excited for you to hear called food as freedom. Now, Food is something we all consume every single day. And yet in the last year when the pandemic hit, we started to see grocery shelves empty. We started to see a panic set in. We started to see people start to rethink food supply and how does food work? And what if I don't have access to food? Or what if the prices of food goes up and inflation starts to set in and it's harder to get access to food? And for the first time, for many people in America, they were questioning 
I don't know that I feel secure about food. Mm. On today's Q Ideas, we're going to hear two talks, both from members of the organization Convoy of Hope. Convoy of Hope has been a longtime partner of Q Ideas, and for good reason. They're a Christ-centered humanitarian organization that has helped people throughout the world by not just providing food to those in need, but thinking more long-term, helping individuals and communities become more secure. And a key aspect of that is food security. On that topic, let's go back a few years to a talk at a Q conference in Nashville when we heard from Dan Clark, a vice president of Convoy of Hope. He talked about the issue of food security and its importance to overall security and flourishing of a community. It's a talk called Getting to Zero. Let's listen. When you examine the ministry of Convoy of Hope, whether you are focused just on the international initiatives, feeding kids, empowering women, training farmers, or whether you take into account Convoy's entire body of work, there is a common thread that's woven into every story. And there's a fundamental issue that we are always addressing. And that's hunger, the lack of nutritious food. A few years ago, I started to ask why, or more specifically, why should we care about hunger. Of all the causes that we could invest our energy and our resources in, of all the causes that the church could get behind to help alleviate the suffering that we see in the world, why choose this one? Why not housing or health or jobs? All great causes for sure. So why had Convoy of Hope dialed in on hunger? Of all places, it was in a room full of farmers in Kansas City that the answers started to come Attending a gathering with the pioneer of our agricultural training program, I began to learn about the impact of food on the development of society. And what I learned, well, (laughs) it made me want to hug a farmer. Consider this. In the United States, less than 2% of us are directly involved in the production of our own food. But it wasn't always this way. There was a time thousands of years ago when we were all hunters or gatherers. Until around 8,000 BC when something transformational occurred. It was arguably the most significant development in the history of the human race. We learned how to farm, how to produce food on a mass scale. And the result was the birth of civilization. Humankind would finally emerge from the Stone Age. Incredibly, this occurred on four continents at the same time. Historians, they call it the Neolithic Revolution. Others of us, we might call it divine intervention. Nevertheless, food changed everything. For the first time, countless people could spend their lives pursuing something more than just their next meal. And this pattern, it would repeat itself. In the 12th century, a simple collar enabled horses to pull iron plows harder, faster, and longer than oxen could. The resulting increase in the food supply, it helped lead us to the Renaissance that ushered us out of the Dark Ages. In the 1700s, mechanical reapers, seed drills, fertilizers, these things, they led to dramatic increases in food production. And this in turn helped usher in a new era of prosperity that we know as the Industrial Revolution. You may already know that up until that time, the vast majority of the world's population labored in agriculture. Today, In most industrialized nations, only one person out of 50 works in farming. 
But in Ethiopia, for example, 82% of the population still labors in agriculture. And the majority of those are subsistence farmers. They're still living as if it were thousands of years ago. If not their time, food is costing the poor what little they earn. In the United States, the average person, we spend 9.7% of our disposable income on food costs. But in places like Haiti and in the Philippines, the impoverished will spend as much as 60% of their incomes on food. Now, certainly, the war against poverty has many complexities. Not long ago, global leaders were introduced to a fresh lens through which the fight against poverty could be viewed called comprehensive security. This innovative model identifies seven areas in which a society must achieve reasonable success in order to thrive. Chief among them is food security. Whereas economic security refers to the steady flow of goods and services and political security is focused on the rule of law, food security is the condition whereby all people have physical and economic access to safe, sufficient, and nutritious food. The results of the scoring are commonly expressed through a radar graph, which demonstrates the interconnectedness among the challenges to success. The premise of this model is that each area has the potential to pull the rest into positive or negative territory. Now, here's where it gets good. Research into the connectedness among these seven areas found, strikingly, that food security is the only area directly associated with every other aspect of comprehensive security. To put it simply, improvements in the area of food security positively impact every other sector. When you solve the hunger problem, you free entire societies to focus their energy and attention on other challenges and opportunities. Just, just imagine with me for a moment what advances and innovations have yet to be made because their would-be inventors are still preoccupied with finding their next meal. What if Thomas Edison or Albert Einstein, Madame Curie or Jonas Salk or Bill Gates, what if they had been confined to a field instead of their laboratories? What would the world look like today? What if Billy Graham never made it to the pulpit? To the person on the street feeding all the hungry kids in the world, it probably seems like an idealistic and an unattainable goal. But a recent report released by the Barna Group confirmed what we already suspected to be true, that roughly 70% of the American public has no idea about the progress that's been made. They have no idea that in the last 40 years, the number of children dying of hunger and malnutrition has been cut in half. Friends, this is not a losing battle. The good news, the news that most people have never heard, is that we, the collective we, we're winning. Check this out. From 1990 to 2015, more than 1 billion people were lifted out of extreme poverty. Isn't that incredible? In just the last 36 months of that period, in just the last three years, more than 200 million people were lifted out of extreme poverty. The rate of progress, it's accelerating. Another way to look at it, in 1990, Roughly 50% of the population in developing countries were living below the poverty line. Today, that number is 14%. Now, yes, we live in a broken world. 
And there will always be forces that conspire to perpetuate the problem, conflict, civil war, corruption. Needs will arise as a result. But the systemic cycles of poverty and hunger, they can be broken. The proof, it's in the progress. And that wave of momentum creates an incredible opportunity for the church. Thanks again for listening to Q Ideas this week. And that was a talk from Dan Clark of Convoy of Hope called Getting to Zero as we think this week about the issue of food security. And again, when you think of food security, we often think of third world countries. But as we mentioned earlier, over the past year, we've had some food security issues here in the U.S. Or maybe perhaps the pandemic just revealed how insecure our food supply has been all along. Gabe, this past spring at the Culture Summit, you brought in another food expert from Convoy of Hope who really opened her eyes to what's really happening globally when it comes to our food chains. Tell us about him. Well, today you're going to get to hear a talk from somebody who's worked in the food space over the entire globe. His name is Dr. Jason Struble. He's described as Dr. Dirt because his expertise is in soil. It's in the dirt that we actually plant in. He understands all the dynamics, the chemicals, the saturation, how God's designed food to grow. And when we have space to create food supply in our own local communities, we start to have more freedom. Now, this is a dynamic many of you maybe haven't thought about. Well, when you start to look to the third world, the developing world, you start to see this play out, and it's much more obvious. Those that have access to their own food have more freedom. Those who are relying on others to supply their food start to see their freedom decrease. And so we wanted to talk about that. We wanted to hear from somebody who works and serves as the Senior Director for Agriculture and Food Security at Convoy of Hope. This is a faith-based nonprofit organization that wants to help feed the world's children through their initiatives, community outreach, and disaster response. Now, Jason holds a Ph.D. in soil science from Washington State University and built numerous agriculture projects customized to the needs in the areas Convoy of Hope serves. And he believes this, and you're going to hear this, that ending poverty depends heavily on food security and locally sustainable agriculture solutions. As you hear, Jason, I want you to think about something. We're not just talking about the developing world. We're talking about the Western world. What does it mean for you? What does it mean in your community? What kind of security do you have to food? How does your food supply work? It's going to cause you to think about that and to ask some bigger questions. And so as we listen in now to Dr. Jason Struble, I hope it will inspire you to have a new perspective on food. I grew up in the woods of western Washington, about an hour and a half north of Seattle, at the base of Mount Baker, the last volcano in the continental United States. And it is there on my grandfather's cherry orchard that I started to wrestle with understanding my journey with understanding people, the complexity of food, agriculture, and cow manure. It was on one of those days in the orchard towards the end of my grandfather's life that we had one of those conversations that'll never leave you. I said, Bumps, do you have any regrets in life? Now, my grandfather fished in Alaska at 16, lied to get into the military at 17, was an orchardist, a firefighter, a high-functioning, uh, high-functioning um, alcoholic. And my aunt's birthday does not match up with their wedding day. So I knew there were things that my grandfather could have said. But instead, he said this. My biggest regret in life was killing deer out of season. 
Because in my early days, my family was poor and hungry and hunger and poverty will make you do things you would have never imagined. Now that wasn't the grandfather that I knew, but it explained a lot. The orchard, the largest garden you had ever seen, the hours and hours of canning that we did. Because my grandfather understood that food was freedom. Food as a means to freedom, food as freedom, really food is freedom. Because the ability to know where your next meal is coming from is empowering. And if you don't know how to answer that question, it becomes all-encompassing. As the hunger pains increase and you will do whatever you can to get food on the table and your next meal for you and your family. My grandfather learned that lesson firsthand. And it's a lesson that I think that the church has to learn. That food is complicated. Food is political. And that food is very spiritual. Food is complicated. Well, teaching junior and senior high school outside of Seattle area, I brought chickens into the classroom to be able to show the cycle of life and composting and chicken manure. And to the dismay of my class, it was the time that they realized that nuggets, wings, and chicken breasts came from a chicken, which then led to the realization that hamburger didn't come from a grocery store. I would like to say that that is the norm or the rarity, but unfortunately, it's normal. Because we have a large disconnect that is generational on where our food comes from. In the United States, 1.3% of the population produces the food that we eat on 2 million farms. In 1935, that was 7 million farms. In 1885, 70% of the population produces the food that we eat. Now that decrease is because of some amazing advancements in technology... But those advancements in technology have complicated food. And when we think about that morsel of food that each one of you right now is like, what is my favorite food? And the saliva starts to come. How does it get to this table? It is very complicated. And as a scientist, let me tell you that at some point, all food is farm to table. But how does it get there? There's the grower and all of the world that they live in, the farmer, the inputs, the outputs, the machinery, the land use, the land tenure. And then there's the processors, the storage, the more processing and the more storage. Then there's the buyers, the sellers, the inspectors and the consumer. And then there is the soil. And I wish I could just, oh, it is the most amazingly designed thing that God ever created when it's working in the system and it shows God's creation everywhere. But I can't go down that road. Then there's the human skill. Then there's the transportation at the next level from the farm to all those places, road, river, rail, sea. Then there's the role of government, imports, exports, tariffs, taxes, treaties. And then there's the government leaders. And every one of those is a key component to how we get food on the table or if it doesn't. And if something in that system goes wrong, we will do everything possible and things that we never thought imagined to get it because food is freedom. Now, the elephant in the room when we talk about the complexities of agriculture is changing climate. I can tell you that during my soils PhD, my research revolved around climate change, greenhouse gases, biochar, and 30,000 gallons of liquid cow manure. 
So when they say, what comes out of the backside of a cow, I know it intimately. (laughs) But that's not the changing climate that I'm talking about. I'm talking about the changing climate in leadership and the power that it has over food. George Washington, one of the very first things that he did was create a census for this country and he paid for it by himself because he understood if we did not know where our food was coming from, we would not survive. Abraham Lincoln laid the foundation for today's food stamp program because he understood that if people didn't have access to affordable food, the country would collapse. During World War II, we were all told to grow victory gardens and it didn't matter if we liked our neighbor or not. Do it because we could not win the war if we did not have food at home. We've all been around political conversations long enough to see that political and food go together. I've been around conversations where food has been used as an amazing tool or as a weapon of mass destruction. Food is complex. And because of its complexity... Whoever is in the politics and who is in control controls the people and controls freedom. And as we as a church explore what that means for us, I implore us to be the hands and feet of Jesus and to jump into the mess or the excrement of humanity and feed our communities. Because in the end, it is very spiritual. John 10.10 says that the enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy. But I have come that you might have life. All around the world, the enemy wants to keep people from thriving, and he uses hunger and poverty to do it. I have seen it while staring down witch doctors in the fields of Haiti, and I've seen it for 17 years pastoring in the Pacific Northwest. And when all the rest of his lies are gone, he will revert to food. Because he knows that if people don't know where their next meal is coming from, they will do things they never imagined. I will sell myself into slavery. I will sell my child into slavery. I will join the Taliban. I will have my child join the Taliban. I'll kill a deer out of season. The devil has been using food since the days of Adam and Eve. And God knows that food is so powerful. And that's why he said, save the corners of the field for the poor and the hungry. That's why he had Joseph store food to save the genealogy of Christ. That's why he used fish and loaves to feed thousands to show his power. And it's how he spread the church because the disciples could go, but the elders got to stay and they were able to feed the widow and the orphan. Food is spiritual. And I promise you, I am not a doomsday guy. I don't have a bunker. I am a ham radio operator. But... As a church, we have to understand that food is complex, it is political, and it is spiritual. And we have to understand what that means for us now and understand that we are at a possible changing tide. And this can be our greatest hour of humanity when food security becomes a thing that the church does or it could be our biggest blind spot. So as you think about what that means for you, 
If you have not thought about it, you are already behind because the devil's been thinking about it for generations. Again, thanks for listening to this week's Q Ideas with Gabe Lines and a great talk there from this past spring's Culture Summit called Food as Freedom, featuring Dr. Jason Struble, who is often called Dr. Dirt. He's an agricultural specialist at Convoy of Hope. Gabe, it was truly an eye-opening talk. I just love how Jason challenges us at the end here. And, and he says this, this, this can become our greatest hour of humanity when food security becomes a thing that the church does or it can be our biggest blind spot. What a challenge. It reminds me of several talks from our event last year that started to challenge churches, even to think about planting gardens, to think about their role within the community of being a source for the community to gather food, to be a part of food production in their own communities. For some of you listening, maybe that's not something you've thought much about lately, but I think this is the time for us to be thinking about it. And Jason challenged us to do that. I also want to just say Jason's organization, Convoy of Hope, Man, what an amazing organization. We've been partners with them for many, many years, and I've been able to see up close and personal the way in which they help meet the needs of the most vulnerable. Even this last year during the pandemic, working with churches to supply them with the food so that cars would be wrapped around church parking lots, out into the road, stretching for miles. The church being the place that was distributing the food when people needed it the most. That was the work of Convoy of Hope, working through the local church to help communities. They not only do that in the U.S., they do it all around the world. I want you to learn more about them, and you can do that at convoyofhope.org. You can see the work, some of the projects that Dr. Jason Struble has done related to agriculture. You can see the ways in which they're trying to serve the most vulnerable all around the world, but also right in our backyard. When disasters strike, Convoy of Hope's becoming quickly one of the main places the American church is turning to to supply them with the funds needed to go and distribute and be first boots on the ground in all of these different situations. So get to know convoyofhope.org. You'll hear more about them from our work here at Q Ideas. We believe so much in what they're doing, and we hope you'll partner with them. Now, if you listen to this talk or somebody shared it with you for the first time and you want to have access to more talks like this, not only subscribe to this podcast, but you can get a free trial to Q Media where you can have access to all of this on video. You can watch multiple talks. We did dozens of talks at our most recent Culture Summit. At qideas.org slash trial, you can get 30 days free and start to have access to more and more thoughtful conversations like this one, dealing with issues that it's hard to find space where you're hearing this conversation. We're creating a conversation that you're not going to find on the nightly news. You're not going to necessarily find it just on your web search. It's not going to probably show up in your news feed. You have to be intentional in your own growth to think well about this cultural moment. And we want to be your partner in that education alongside your friends and the conversations that it can create. So we hope you have a wonderful week and we'll have more talks for you next week. This program is made possible in partnership with Faith Radio and Northwestern Media. Thank you for listening to the Q Ideas with Gabe Lyons podcast. These conversations are available because of listener support. You can make your gift now at MyFaithRadio.com. To avoid missing future editions of Q Ideas with Gabe Lyons, subscribe to the podcast today at iTunes or on your podcast player. And thank you for sharing this audio link with a friend and growing the impact of Q Ideas with Gabe Lyons.